0: We all have this little gremlin voice that tells us, you should have done this, you should have done that. Why haven't you done this? Why can't you cope? What's wrong with you? I'm not good enough. Everybody has that little voice inside of them that tells them that. And it it usually stems from our childhood. That's where this voice comes from. Now, for me in particular, that voice was louder than anything else in my head.
1: Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show, this is reality, a real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes.
2: So hello and welcome then to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast with your host myself, Helen Williams. This is episode 60 where today we are talking about protecting your mental health. This is with Mrs. Harpreet Chana, who is introducing the Mental Wealth Academy today. Basically, Harpreet comes from a pharmaceutical background, now a business owner, she's a coach in her own right as well, training and speaking throughout the UK. And also, spectacularly launched the Mental Wealth Academy back in 2018, which is is helping other people across the UK and globally protecting their mental health. So, mental health is historically stigmatized subject matter, isn't it? And increasingly, more and more awareness around this yeah. on a global level. Many many areas getting involved in it through sport, even through the royal family in the UK. Yeah. And and making it a public health responsibility, not just in the workplace, but in general. So today, Harpreet, I brought you onto the show to, to talk to us about how this is more apparent and even more important for us to have this awareness, but more importantly, on how we actually solve this and how we actually help people with managing their mental health So first and foremost, what is mental health? Because we talk about it, we always say about mental health or they've got a mental health issue or it's a mental health problem.
0: But what actually is it? Um, Thank you, Helen, and thank you so much for um, inviting me to be on this podcast today. It's really, really great um, to be here and to talk to everyone, not just about mental health, but actually mental wealth and what investing in your own mental wealth means in terms of Um, you know mental health and um, as you alluded to I'm a pharmacist by background Um, I've worked for many years um, in various different guises across the sector and following my own struggles with mental health four years ago I um, having worked closely with I mean at the time and I'll probably touch on um, my my story but um, at the time I'd worked with a counsellor, therapist and finally a coach and it was working with a coach that made me realise just actually where this illness was coming from and what I could do to overcome it. So much so that I put myself through a very rigorous training programme, certified as a coach myself and then launched the Mental Wealth Academy and I could have specialised in any niche really but I specialised specifically in mental health because I realised that if I'd have known four years ago, what I know now, there was no need for me to have suffered in the way that I did. And so now I look to trying to help other people and prevent them from suffering in the way that I suffered. And that's kind of what the Mental Wealth Academy is all about. It's helping people to invest in their mental wealth to protect their mental health.
2: Okay, fabulous. Well, I want to know more about the um, Mental Wealth Academy um, probably a, li- a little bit later on. Yeah. In that in that context then, you've just touched upon, obviously, your own journey and your own suffering, your own illness. Can we have a little bit more information around that to grasp the understanding of not how mental health affected you, but how you were affected by mental health? Is that right? Like, again, it's kind of how do we, how do we define it?
0: I think that's a really good question. Before I talk about my experience, I will just answer that in terms of what is mental health. Yeah. Mental health is to me, anyway, it's I call it a state of being, actually. We all have mental health. We all have physical health. It's and you know, one is not more important than the other, and the two are very, very closely intertwined. And for me, mental health is about understanding. And appreciating who you really are, how you show up in the world, how things affect you, and really having a clear understanding of that. And a lot of us don't because, and I will talk about this a little bit later, but we all get so bogged down with the sort of day-to-day and what we're doing that you know we we're, we're quite easy to we're quite quick to go to a gym and go and work out or go to a class or have a you know a peloton bike or whatever it might be we'll work on our physical health but we don't necessarily exercise our mental health in the same way and actually it's really important if not more important to exercise our mental health in the same way that we do our physical health does that go some kind of way to answering that question in terms of what mental health is something we all have but we may not necessarily look after it as well as our physical health.
2: Okay, cool. It does, yeah, and I think, yeah, I think you covered that. Um, I think in terms of then understanding the issues around it and how then society is a little bit unsure around mental health, I think that's the thing. It's because it's always been a stigmatised subject. Yeah. It's a case of, what what is it when we say that people are suffering and you you said that you you know you, you yourself are suffering yes in what way how do we describe that how do we define it
0: it might help if i tell my story i think at this point okay and you can try and understand and i can try and take from my point of view what because what we're essentially talking about is ill mental health so it's about where your mental well-being is perhaps not um as strong as it could be and i think that's probably the best way for me to describe it and if i give you a little bit about my story it may make sense a bit more sense so i uh, as i said was i'm a, a pharmacist by background and from the outside if you were to have looked at my life a few years ago you would have said my god this woman has it all
1: <laughs> she has
0: a senior national role in her profession she has a, a lovely house in London, had a nice car on the driveway, had a great husband, a lovely son, really big social life, out all the time at weekends, holidays abroad, um, life and soul of the party. I used to get told that a lot. You're like a breath of fresh air, Your life and soul, wherever there was, you know, noise or a party, I'd be in there. And I'm, I'm a super confident person, quite able to stand in front of a crowd of a thousand people without notes, and give an address or a keynote speech. But on the inside, so that's on the outside and that's what everyone saw. And that importantly is what I allowed everyone to see. On the inside was a completely different story and I was battling demons. Now we all have our own demons inside of us. We all have this little gremlin voice that tells us that you should have done this, you should have done that, why haven't you done this? Why can't you cope? What's wrong with you? I'm not good enough. You know, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. Everybody has that little voice inside of them that tells them that. And it it usually stems from our childhood. That's where this voice comes from. Now, for me in particular, that voice was louder than anything else in my head. And it caused me severe problems because over the time, when I was, as I was saying, I was battling demons it's because in my head I just couldn't switch off this voice. It was there all the time and what i started off as being a little bit anxious and, and not really sleeping well and you know how many people that probably you and I know suffer a little bit with anxiety and it wasn't like crippling anxiety I'd just get if there was something coming up I'd be a bit anxious um, and I would really struggle with my sleep. I would have episodes where I would be sleeping an hour a night um, and I would do that three, four days in a row, and I would be honestly really, really uh, incapacitated from a lack of sleep. I can't tell you how how difficult a lack of sleep is to somebody and how how honestly it's I mean they use it as a form of punishment for a reason. And so when you are suffering with that for a prolonged period of time, it starts to take you to a very dark place, and that's kind of where I'd ended up. And sadly, when I was looking for help, I went on the internet. And I went to places like Mind and some of the other mental health charities, and I felt that there were all these stories that I just couldn't connect with. These were people that were chronically ill, where their their condition was so bad that it completely, you know, they were debilitated. They couldn't work, they couldn't leave the house. And I thought, well, I can do all of those things. I'm still, I'm still able to get up and go to work, and I look after my son. I'm, I'm, you know, functioning. I'm performing. I'm just not, you know, and this is a big thing and I, I I, call it where you feel, you don't feel unhappy, but you're not happy either. And so I was a bit like, I don't think I'm depressed. I think I just, I'm just not feeling happy and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But honestly, Helen, there were on weekends and I feel for my poor husband because on weekends during the week, I would put my mask up and I would cover the fact that I was really suffering with this and I would pretend that everything was fine. I'd keep myself distracted all week and busy and it would generally be at night when lying in your bed and there's nowhere else for you to go and there's nothing for else for you to do. That's when you start to really think about that voice and everything else that's going on in your life and it is a really dark, isolating, lonely place and you just think that my gosh, No one's going to understand this. I don't even understand it. How can I even begin to start telling other people what this is and what this feeling is? And it's just a lack of, it's a lack of hope. It's real despair. And you just think, am I going to feel like this forever? Is this it? All of these years, I've worked really hard. I've worked hard for my career. I've worked hard to get everything I have. And is this it? Is this what my life is? Just a constant repeat of, and it's now what I call the hamster wheel of life. Eat, sleep, work, repeat, eat, sleep, work, repeat, constantly on the go, you know, working at all the hours that I could, and I was a working mum, and I was commuting, and it was, I just didn't have any kind of um, peace of mind, I just wasn't, there was no contentment, and um, during the day I could, as I said, keep myself distracted, but at night time, that was when it would really hit me that I wasn't necessarily happy with where I was and what I was doing but I didn't feel like I could change it and I think that's the real key when you're suffering with ill mental health you cannot see beyond those feelings those thoughts and those voices that in your head that are telling you you're no good or you're not this or you're not that you just can't get past that it's all consuming and you don't see you can't see things for what they really are when you're down in that depth of despair and um Sadly, and I'll tell you, I went to the GP, the GP offered me antidepressants, I resisted and said no, they put me on a waiting list for counselling, it took me, um, so if I had to be assessed first, it took me nine months for an assessment, for the appropriate assessment, uh, only for them to tell me that there was a three year waiting list for the type of counselling that I needed. Now, it wasn't any special type of counselling by any stretch of the imagination, it was just, there was so much demand that there was a three-year waiting list. And that's the reality of somebody who goes to a GP today and says, I'm suffering with my mental health. Please, can you help me? The doctor has 10 minutes and usually a waiting room full of patients. And what they will say to you is, okay, we can put you on antidepressants. Have you tried these self-help things? And, um, you know, we can put you on a waiting list for therapy. And if you're lucky, you'll get six sessions on the NHS. Some people may get more, but it's usually six. And that's not normally enough to deal with what the issues are. Now, I was told there's a three-year list, so you're better off paying for it yourself. So I did. I went out and I found, and the the sad thing is when you're not matched to a counsellor through the assessment service, that's why the assessment service exists, so that you're matched with the appropriate counsellor. I took the name of the (laughs) counselling that I needed, I went out, took the number that they gave me, a couple of numbers, and I effectively just went for the one that was available and the one that was cheapest and nearest to me, which, of course, you're going to do. And so I started to see this counsellor but it didn't really help and i talk about this quite openly now but it ended up with um almost four years ago now to the day where i was in the gp surgery for something completely unrelated i needed to pick up a form and as the gp handed the form over to me i just had tears that started to fall and i couldn't control the tears i didn't know where they were coming from now this wasn't my usual gp and so she gave me the form And um, she sent me on my way, she had a waiting room full of patients. And so as I was walking back from the GP surgery, the tears were coming thick and fast and I just couldn't, I couldn't stop them. I I don't know where they were coming from. And I just, in that moment, I felt like the loneliest person in the world. And that I, you know, I just didn't want to feel like this anymore. And as I was walking um, towards a railway bridge near where I lived and as I started to walk towards the railway bridge, I stopped and I walked to the edge and I looked over the edge and I could see the trains, the fast trains were running underneath um, the bridge. And you know what, Helen, in that moment, I just thought I could do this. I could just I could just end this right now and I wouldn't have to hear this anymore this incessant noise in my head. I wouldn't have to feel the pain. I wouldn't have to suffer anymore. And I could just be at peace. And I can just have peace of mind, because that's what I want. I don't want to feel like this anymore, and I don't want to hear this anymore. And I told myself that it would just be so easy, and that my husband, he he could remarry, and he'd remarry someone better than me. And that my son, well, you know, he'd have a a new mummy, a, a better mummy, one that was way better than me that I could ever be. And it was only the thought of my son. My son in that moment was my anchor because if it wasn't for him and the thought of him growing up without his mummy, I wouldn't have opened my eyes and taken a step back and carried on walking. And then when I got to the other side, I rang my husband and it was only at that point when I told him what I nearly did And he was frantic, obviously, on the other side of the phone. Firstly, that the enormity of what I was about to do hit me. And secondly, that I actually admitted for the first time, not just to him, but to myself, how ill I really was. And that was a really hard thing for me to do. And I think this is why when you say, why don't people speak up? It's hard when you're a high achiever, like I was, and you have pushed yourself your entire life because that's the way you achieve success, to then suddenly have to admit, you know, I can't do this and I can't cope and I can't, I I can't deal with living like this anymore. That's a really big thing to have to admit to yourself. Is that, sorry to,
2: is that where it kind of stemmed from for you then and what is then pressing what I want to obviously pose as as a subject matter here for mental health and mental wealth for entrepreneurs and business owners and high achievers because I always talk through um, HEW and through this podcast series about what it takes okay and you know me from 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 um, knowing me over the last couple of years or so I'm relentless but I'm not Stupid in terms of being self destructive, yeah. In terms of you know going for your goals yeah. and hitting targets and stretching comfort zones and doing what it takes, essentially. Because as high achievers, we have to do things differently, yeah, and we have to have that relentless attitude. However, there's a fine line between kind of doing something that is going to be worthwhile and self-satisfying and successful for helping so many other people, and being self-destructive, in 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 your in your own mindset, yeah. your own well-being, your your own family structure, everything. You know, it has repercussions on on absolutely everything. So, at what point for you and for other people that may be feeling like this, listeners? You know, you you started talking about anxiety and that anxious feeling and, and insomnia. And then it quickly, quickly spirals because it all adds up. Was it overwhelm and pressure through work and and everything else and through the aspirational sort of behaviours? Was it all of that that you think was kind of
0: the triggering force behind that? In a word, yes. I think I was in a very demanding role Mm. and juggling a full-time demanding role with commuting, with being a new mum was difficult. And I, as I said, I'm a high achiever. I don't admit very easily when I'm struggling. I don't ask for help. And I carried on and I battled through because that's what I've always done. Yeah. And it's always worked for me. That was my old strategy and coping strategy. And so suddenly, and I think this is where people come a cropper because you do the things that you've always done to get the results of where you are and then suddenly it stops working for you and you're a bit like, oh my God, I don't know what else to do because I was pushing myself and it was literally like my body went, uh-uh, not doing it. Yeah. You can't push me to do this. You're pushing me to do something I really don't want to do anymore, so I'm not doing it. And, you know, looking back on it at the time, I probably should have addressed some big things and work was one of them that wasn't working for me at the time. But I didn't because, again, as I said, we're conditioned by society, right, to do that eat, sleep, work, repeat cycle, and to you know we go to work. You go, you go to school, you study hard, university, you get, you're told to get a job. You're told, you know, that settling down and having a house and two point four kids and holidays abroad that that's what everyone's doing. So who am I to sort of put put my head above the parapet and say, actually, you know what? I've got all that and I'm still not happy. Something's not quite right here. Because you start to think, hang on a minute, what is wrong with me? I've got all of these things in my life. How can I not be happy? And I'm sure that people who would have known at the time would have said, well, where on earth does this come from? Why don't you feel happy? But it's exactly that. You kind of picked up on it a little bit. Yes, as an entrepreneur, it's about mindset. Absolutely. It's that's the core of being an entrepreneur. But it's, it's also tied with well-being. Yeah. And that was the thing that was missing from my life. I was so bogged down with just keeping afloat. Yeah. I literally was that waddling swan, you know, yeah. the, where, the, where the swans paddling under the surface frantically. I, on, uh, you know, on the surface, I looked like I was in control of everything. But underneath, I was absolutely struggling to try and keep everything going to a certain level and it's because i wasn't looking after myself mm. mentally or physically and it's only now looking back on it that i can see that and think my god is it any wonder that i ended up where i did is it any wonder that people end up stressed because they don't look after their well-being now you talk to me about you and the work that you do and the fact that you push yourself and you're a high achiever but you also really prioritize your well-being you always have since i've known you and it's that balance And we tell ourselves, I haven't got time for this. I haven't got time for that. And the reality is, we do have time. We just prioritise other things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that for me, with working with individuals and clients,
2: I categorically say, through through the process of HEW, the first pillar is health. Yeah. And I have business owners coming to me and high achievers and everybody looking to level up, scale up, grasp more, earn more, be more, achieve more in life. And say, I I don't need to focus on my health. Well, sorry then, you're not working with me and HEW. Yeah. Because that is kind of the core fundamental aspect of it. And the business is secondary almost. Is that why you would say then, is that kind of attitude that people take for granted, that's the, the biggest falling point around mental health and
0: well-being in business owners and entrepreneurs. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest contributing factors. When we talk about why mental health has become such an issue, it's because there's there's lots of contributory factors as to why mental health has become such a big issue. That's not to say that, you know, 40 years ago, our parents didn't have their struggles. They did. And I'll tell you, from dishing out thousands and thousands of antidepressants to people in our parents' generation that... They didn't talk about things. They didn't talk about things and it's come out in their health because they're all on blood pressure tablets and antidepressants and everything else and stomach acid issues because they have kept in feelings of anxiety and stress all over the years. And And the point is, is that when you do that, when you subject your body to stress over a prolonged period of time, your body will respond to that. You cannot expose your body to that. It will respond, whether it's through your high blood pressure, whether it's through an ulcer because of stress, whether it's through various other... I mean, even IBS is stress-related, right? So there are so many conditions that we get because we're internalising stress and we're not talking about it and getting it out in the open and dealing with it. And that's the part of the problem. And one of the things I talk about in mental wealth is about... And and I suppose I should tell you what mental wealth really is. Mental wealth is about understanding what your default response is when you are put under any kind of stressful situation and then consciously choosing a different and more positive way to respond. That's effectively what mental health is. It's understanding what, what do I do when I'm put under pressure? How do I respond to that? And and recognising it and when it's not serving you and when it is not healthy, choosing a different and more positive way to respond Instead, and it's the kind of things that we should have been taught when we were at school, but we're not. And it's what I call personal leadership skills, because effectively what it does is it comes from having to, you know, investing in your mental wealth is all about improving your confidence, improving your um, resilience your emotional intelligence, being really aware of how you come across and actually other people and what's going on for them. And then the final piece is that communication piece, both inner to yourself and outer. And I posted on social media this week about, if you wouldn't say it to a friend, then don't say it to yourself. Honestly, that voice in my head, that voice in my head that drove me to the bridge that day was my voice. And the kind of things that I say to myself, I would never say to another human being. So why is it okay that I was saying it to myself? Why is it okay? And I think it's because, it, you know, for my whole life, that's how I push myself. I push myself because we live in this competitive environment. So it's, it, it really does come to fight or flight. And this stress response is about fight or flight. And you think about everything in your life comes down to fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And we are taught that in order to succeed, we have to fight we have to be competitive and it's dog eat dog and we have to push back and push ourselves hard and and you know that's the only way that we can achieve it's wrong yeah it's not the only way we can achieve actually and the problem is is that if that's your default response when you're pushed and you're constantly fighting and you're constantly in that um mode of conflict it will lead to long-term stress and it will come out in your body equally if your default response is fight and you retreat into victim mode, oh, I can't do this, I'm no good, I'm just not good enough, I'm not clever enough, I'm not intelligent enough, and you have those that real low self-worth, low self-esteem, well, guess what? Over a prolonged period of time, that leads to depression. There's no other way about it. That's what happens when you expose yourself to that over a long period of time. And when you're put under any kind of position of stress, there's a whole lot of anxiety that exists there as well. And so what we have to try and move towards is to say, okay, I'm recognizing that this is my default response. I'm feeling under pressure and I am either fight or flight or victim or anxiety, whatever it might be for you. Mm-hmm. And what this is, is about moving you to the next level. So I'm a core energy coach and there are seven different energy levels. And what I'm talking about is level one and level two, which is really low, heavy dragging energy. And it's about moving you up to a point where you can rationalize. That's all it is. It's moving you to rationalization how true is that really? Right? If I'd stopped for a minute, and I'm not to say in my state that day on the bridge that I would have been able to, I probably wouldn't have, but I mean, months leading up to that point, if I just stopped for a second and gone, right, I'm telling myself that I'm I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough, and you know, that life isn't worth living, how true is that really? If I look back at my life, I was 30 years old in a senior national position, right? And I didn't get there because I was lucky. I got there through really hard work. And if I just look back and say, look at everything I have, how true is it really that I'm not good enough? It wasn't. But the reality is there was something missing inside me. And it was that self-worth piece. And women in particular really struggle. And not just women, I know men struggle as well. But women in particular really struggle with this low self-esteem, low self-confidence, low self-worth. And, you know, we're surrounded by pressures in terms of how we should look and how we should dress and how we should eat and, you know, all those things. And you start to internalise it. And when it's that reaction to when you internalise it, that's the key. Mm -hmm. And if you're internalising it and saying to yourself, oh, I'm just this and I'm just that and I'm just this that's where the troubles start and it's part of the reason why social media has such a big part to play in some of the um, mental health issues that we're seeing now yes there's an element of people are talking more about it but there's also an element of Uh, those pressures it's kind of what we started this question with those pressures haven't I wouldn't say changed I think when I look back to my mum and dad's life mum had it a lot harder than I did I tell you and she was a stay-at-home mum but she had five children with no washing machine I mean can you imagine having to go you know wash all those clothes without having a washing machine I think to myself I've got so many things that help make my life easier that enable me to go out and work but they're just different pressures we live in a 24-7 society Right? I'm expected to answer emails in the evenings and weekends. I get calls on my days off asking me questions. We live in that kind of environment, in that kind of society. And you know, then you've got the um, social media aspect of it. In the, in the, on its own, on the face of it, social media doesn't cause the problem. It's when you start to internalise it. Yeah. That's the key.
2: Well, it, it, it's all of those contributing factors, like you've just said, social media, um, expectations from other people, boundaries that you've just spoke about with yeah. um, work and being on call per se. Are they actual um, issues and problems and obstacles that kind of contribute to um, triggering different mental health issues? Or is it down to the individual's choice in how they consume it or how then, like you've said, they
0: internalise it? Both. Both. I think it's both and I think it comes back to that, as I said everybody has that gremlin voice Mm. It's just whether or not it gets activated and how long for so let me ask you about that
2: then because you said about if you are um it's basically how I've then just been visualizing this it's like a little bit of a, a sliding ph scale for want of a better description you've been talking then about um if you are Highly driven, highly motivated, um, living on adrenaline, basically. Just pumping, pumping, going forward and pushing on. But then that's, that's the stressor in you. Yeah. Which then, obviously, the stress is going to um, cause you issues. Or on the opposite side of the scale, then you've got where you could fall into depression. Yeah. Because you've got low self-worth and, and low self-belief and everything else, where you're talking yourself out of situations. Centralise it then. What's the sweet spot and how then do we as individuals as highly motivated entrepreneurs and business owners what is that sweet spot and how how do we kind of manipulate that for
0: us to get the best out of our well-being I think it's about having balance in that you do have to push yourself and so you have to have that mindset I suppose is, is probably the best way to put it you've got to have that entrepreneurial mindset which is the drive you've got to be able to get up and push yourself you know that better than anyone If you want to succeed as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you are the one, no one's going to push you. You have to push yourself. But ask yourself, what's driving you? Because if it's a money-related goal, that usually doesn't drive you as much as having a real purpose and whatever that real purpose might be within your business, whether it's you're just really passionate about what you do, whether it's like me, you want to leave a legacy, whether it's um, you've got a real deep personal reason as to why you do what you do it's keeping that in your core and using that to drive you rather than uh, some sort of self-belief around achievement success money or whatever that might be that's not to say that it doesn't work and that that doesn't work for people but if you've ever watched Simon Sinek's TED talk around the why and how businesses very successful businesses focus on the why and then uh, the how sort of comes afterwards and the what. And it's something that my business mentor has taught and drummed into me. It's the very same thing is that keep that purpose really close to you in your heart and let that be your driver rather than pushing yourself and coming from that place of conflict, as I was saying before, because you'll feel so much more empowered mm-hmm. and so much better than pushing yourself from a place that is has lower energy than something like your passion and purpose. So that's kind of on the stress point of view. Um, We also talked about boundaries. That's very, very key. As somebody who juggles a lot of balls, it's really important that you have to have those boundaries in place. Plan effectively. That's one of the biggest things that I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey so far. Daily consistent action and plan. Plan what you're going to do. Now, it's not to say that the day is always going to work out the way you expect it. I mean, even today we were we were laughing that, you know, my car decided to, to die whilst I was um, at a meeting an hour away and I didn't think I'd even make it back here in time and I had to juggle quite a few things in order for me to get back here. Um, but that's reality. And so di- days aren't always going to go that way, but I do have a loose structure in terms of what I want to achieve because it's that achievement that that's what really drives you is yeah. that you can see... Um, what you're achieving in your business day to day and you can see the results because you're putting in that daily work that daily consistent action and there are days that I don't want to do it we're talking about the other end of the scale there are days when I wake up and I'm highly motivated there are days when I wake up and I think I can't do this today (laughs) I can't do this today and you've got a choice when you feel like that you can stay in bed all day and if that's what your body needs maybe you should but it's about whether or not you let yourself stay there. Yeah. And that's the difference, is that I have spotted, and this is what mental wealth is, it's about understanding that these days are gonna happen, right? It may not happen to you, somebody might be listening to this that never happens to me. I'm so driven and motivated, that doesn't happen to me. But you know, things are gonna, you are gonna face adversity in your life, you're gonna face challenges, and there will be times you might lose a loved one, you might lose a job or a relationship you might you know succumb to illness there will be a time in your life where you are going to feel like you know what I can't do this and I just I just want to give up and you might even have the days of self-doubt I don't know a single entrepreneur that doesn't have a day where they you know where they have some element of self-doubt we all do it's about recognizing it and it's about moving it when you're ready to move it's about saying okay you know what I'm feeling like this right now I'm just going to let it sit I'm just going to let it sit because obviously this is coming up from somewhere. And what I do is I try and figure out what it is that's causing me to feel like that. Now, if it is a self doubt thing, I have strategies and techniques that I employ that I've learned about myself through the work that I've done. That I know that if I feel like this, for instance, a big thing for me to do is go for a walk. I love it. I love being outside and I'll go for a walk and it helps clear my head. Or I will go and people watch in a coffee shop. That's another big one. I love to do that. And I will just put on classical music and I will sit in a coffee shop and I'll just people watch for an hour or two. And actually, that's what I need. That's my body's way of saying to me, something's not quite right. So look after yourself. Um, And that's the important thing here is that you're going to feel either ends of the spectrum of that pH scale, as you put it. You're going to feel either side. But it's about recognising it. And if it's not serving you, then moving to that middle place and it's about understanding what strategies are going to work for you to get you back into that sweet spot and in that zone so for someone like yourself I know you exercise a lot so for you it might be exercise for somebody else it might be I don't know going and playing around a golf or um you know spending time with their kids or going away for a weekend it's so important that we fit in that reward And, you know, that relaxation time as well as the work so that you're more focused when you that's where the planning comes in. If you've got blocks of time that you have dedicated to working on your business, then have those boundaries. Turn your phone off. Don't answer any emails and have that block as your business development time. And you'll feel so good when you get to the end of it because you just think, yeah, do you know what? I've achieved that. That's exactly what I've done. You know, I've, I've achieved everything that I set out to do. Um, And a lot of this really, and I'm just going to recommend a book here, if you've ever read, um, it's by um, Michael Neal and it's called The Inside Out Revolution. And it's a fantastic book because it talks about power of thought. And it's one of the things I cover when I talk about mental wealth, because it talks about the fact that you may think that everything that you see and, and touch in front of you and can see and smell and hear that that's the reality. It's not. It's not the reality, that's your perception of reality. And you see it through the filters that you wear. It's like a pair of glasses that are over your eyes and it consists of all your experiences, what your parents have taught you, everything you observed until the age of seven, your cultural and religious differences, all those things that make you uniquely you. That forms a pair of glasses through which you see the reality. And so sometimes things aren't how they seem. It's just what you think they are. And it's about calling yourself out on that and understanding that.
2: Can I? That's interesting. I've not read that book, but I will do. Um, But I'm nodding along to a lot of things there that you've been speaking about and what you've just shared with us and some of the techniques that you've mentioned and the fact that um, I don't think anybody's um, alone in any of this. There's so many different degrees and levels of how one may be feeling at any one point in time Uh, and you may feel anxious at one point in time or you might feel sad because of different experiences and things like that you know there there are so many different kind of like I said levels and experiences to it but what I want to say is um, and it, it just leads on to that where you've just been saying about the inside out revolution is there's no right or wrong answer to any of this it's all a very individual journey. Yeah. All a very individual experience. And all of it, all an individual um, point of recognition and point of awareness. And it's not about, uh, and this is how I always feel that it's like, and some of the listeners may share this uh, view with me with mental health. It's as though it's like a box that you need to put yourself in, like a bit of a pigeonhole. And it's not because you are different to the next person Correct. and your feelings your emotions your experiences your coping mechanisms your comfort zones absolutely everything that that makes you you is bespoke yes so what's right for one person isn't necessarily right for another so i think the core element here is recognizing that and that it, that's okay and if you're feeling sad one day or you can't sleep and things are you know spiralling and you know that they're spiralling out of control, it's fine. Because that's your footprint. That's your kind of experience. So is that where you're saying then that, um you know, when you're working with the Mental Wealth Academy yeah. that you get individuals to learn who they are, have the awareness and the recognition who they are and what makes up their DNA. Correct. And basically... Align them with what's right for them, because you said about like your coping mechanisms: walking, yes. coffee shops, yes. like, exercise, different things. For me personally, I just share it with you. I like to be on my own. Yeah, I'm such a people person <laughs> with high energy all the time. That 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 is great, but then I I also like to close the door and it's like I don't want to talk. I just like to be quiet, and just think or not think.
0: And that's Even. brilliant. That's brilliant that you know that. But as I said, when you're in that circle of life and that hamster wheel of life, you don't stop to think about things like that because you're too busy trying to keep afloat, yeah. and you're too busy trying to do everything to everybody. And it's really hard to then go. Actually, I need that time by myself, and I need to. And we, we self care is a term that's bandied around a lot, but actually, it's so important. Though, who so. actually? Yeah, and and make sure you actually do practice it. And yeah. self care can just be something little. Like I wake up early in the morning. And I'm not a big meditator, but I always just do. I do 10 minutes of meditation and I journal. I've never written a journal in all my years. And it's something I started in the last year or so. And it's made such a profound difference because I just find that it sets me up for the rest of the day. And I also journal sometimes in the evening. And it's about that reviewing, doing my day in review and figuring out um, that whole how am I feeling or something that might have happened and trying to see the positive in it, all that kind of thing, I just get it out on paper. So I find that that's really therapeutic for me. But you asked about the Mental health Academy, you asked about how I work with people and the whole thought thing. And I'm gonna come back to that just for a second because we were talking about the inside out revolution and we talked about the power of thought. A lot of this, and as I was saying to you, because your reality is created by your thought, you then start to realize that your thought creates all and your thought is actually the most powerful thing that you have because your thoughts create your emotions which creates your behaviours which creates your actions and they are the only things in this world that you can control you cannot control how much you can't even control how much business you get you can't all you can control is what you do
2: Yeah.
0: to help get that business
2: Yeah.
0: and you know there'll be people listening to this and some people will really resonate with what I'm saying and some people will think oh she's like what the hell is she talking about and the reality is I can't stop them from thinking that some people won't like me some people won't like you you can't stop them from that but what you can do is change the way that you respond to it and how you feel about it and how you let it affect you that's the power of thought and it was Henry Ford who said whether you think you can or you think you can't you're probably right And there's nothing more true than that. And that's what I do in the Mental Wealth Academy. It's about understanding how powerful your thought really is and getting you to be more in control of it. And one of the things I do, I do an assessment, and it's called the Energy Leadership Index Assessment, the ELI. And it's um, specific to the uh, School of Coaching, which I qualified in. And what it effectively does is it will show me, so you answer it online, and um, it will show me how you show up day to day, what makes you Helen day to day, and then what happens to you when you're put under stress? What is your default response? Is it fight or flight? Is it a bit of both? And we start to understand where that comes from. And when I talk to uh, my clients about that, they'll say, yeah, it's because of this or yeah, it's because of that. And that's the first step. It's that having that awareness of how do I respond and how do I think when I'm in that situation, then we can start to change it. Into something that's a bit more powerful and something that really helps you and keeps you away from the depression or the stress to you know parts of that pH scale. I've just I've just
2: put another business model there in for you a of a pH level. <laughs> yes, <of the> <laughs> pH wealth, level kind of mental mind. wealth. I love it. <laughs> Obviously, things are badged about in terms of depression, anxiety, antidepressants that are needed. All of the things that kind of are labels, essentially. And it's those kind of labels that have the negative connotations. Mm -hmm. It's those kind of labels that people avoid talking about. It's those kind of labels that people don't want to have. So therefore, they keep quiet and keep everything in, like you've said. Yeah. Okay. How then? Because what you do, and I understand how you work with the academy and your uh your you know your technique that that you use and i'm, I'm all fully supportive of it it's all a very pre- preventative measure isn't it yeah at what point then do people have to hold the hand up and say i need some help before they get desperate because we know what the other end of the level is when people get
0: desperate i can talk to you from my own experience helen in that on that day, that day on the bridge, it was probably about three months prior to that day. And I was on the tube going into work and I was listening. I had um, Bastille randomly playing in my ears. And I remember, and it was quite early in the morning, and I had my head resting against the germ infested pole. Um, <laughs> think you want about it at now. The I'm yes. glad I don't have to put up with that anymore. <laughs> me too. Um, but I had my head resting against this pole and I had this music and I closed my eyes. And as the tube was pulling towards my station, I just thought, I can't do it. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this. I can't do it. I don't think I can face it today. And I sort of, you know, as I was getting closer and closer and I thought, I could just stay on this tube. Where's it going to end up? Oh, Walthamstow Central. What am I going to do there? And and I know that station, I was like, there's nothing to do there. Um and I had to really give myself a bit of a pep talk and say, you know, come on, what is wrong with you? Come on, get up keep going and you know I did get really teary and I was weepy and I sort of got myself as we were hurtling into the station I finally got myself up and off the train and it was almost like autopilot I before I knew it I was at the office door and I I had to dig deep and I found that mask and I put it on and you would never have known that I had a problem that moment was when the first moment that I knew that I wasn't really okay when I knew I was bad and I didn't tell anyone and then um, probably about two months after that, so this is about three or four weeks before I was on the bridge. I had the fir- that was the first time I thought I can't do this anymore. I just don't. I don't want to. In, I don't terms, want of it, in terms of suicidal thoughts. In terms of suicidal thoughts. Let's 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 put it out there. Yeah. No. I mean, in terms of suicidal thoughts, and I was walking from the supermarket. I remember through um, the particular little town that was near where we lived. And I had to walk from the, where I parked the car into the town. And I remember I was going under the this kind of underpass. And as I was crossing through it, I just thought, I, I can't do this anymore. I just don't want to feel like this. And I don't want to suffer it like this anymore. And I just don't think I can do it. And I knew then that there was something wrong. But I didn't tell anyone. And why? Because we worry about what people will think of us. We we'll worry that people would judge us. And so we, we keep silent and we suffer in silence and I'm here to say honestly I'm lucky that I'm here to tell the tale and so many people aren't particularly men particularly men aged between 20 and 49 suicide is the biggest killer of men of that age and it's because they don't talk about it it's so difficult particularly for men to own up and open up and say I have I think I have a mental health problem and I think part of the problem is is that whole where do they go? Where do they go when they need help? Because as I said, a lot of the um, stuff online is geared towards chronically ill people, but for, for the functioning unwell, where do they go for something like this? And um, that's the that's the difficulty. And what I would urge people to say is, I'm really I'm really happy that the royals and footballers and pop stars are coming out and saying, do you know what, I suffer too. I really struggle. And I'll tell you, and I say this stat whenever I do a talk, one in four people will suffer with a mental health issue in the next 12 months. That's not a lifetime. That's 12 months. That's one in four people that you know. And that doesn't just include anxiety and depression. I'm talking the stress and the insomnia, the burnout, all of those things. This is so rife. And until we make it okay and we stop being judgmental, because this topic is still divisive, and you still have people out there saying, "I don't get it. I don't suffer with my mental health. I don't get it. I don't understand why you can't just get up and get on with your day. What's wrong with you?" And until we start to challenge some of that and say and, and call that out and say, "Actually, do you know what? You're lucky that you've not had to suffer in that way, yeah. but have a little bit of compassion for those people that do because it can happen to any of us." Yeah,
2: I think that's. I think you know that's the that's the case in point, isn't it? That it can, and one in four it, it is highly dramatic
0: it's just as high as some of the big diseases that we hear about and yet it, there's still a stigma attached to it and i think it's that judgment piece people are scared of being judged as weak and not being able to cope and the reality is my god so many people suffer like this it's not that you can't cope it's not a weakness it's actually a strength yeah. to put your hands up to do what i do and, and and openly speak about my depression and my suicidal thoughts that's a strength that's not a weakness because I'm, I'm strong enough to admit that I'm not perfect. Because you know what? Nobody no is. is. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think it is that kind of, that permission of saying it's okay to talk. And there are so many, um, like I said, awareness pieces now where people are backing it and people are saying that. But awareness is one thing and we're hearing the message but are we actually listening to the message and then not only are we listening to the message as as human beings and society but then are we taking on board the techniques of coping with that are we looking into tapping into um coaching and counseling and um workshops or self-help books or anything that works for you per se are we looking at things like that and taking it on board
0: and applying it some i think are i think it's varied there are some people that they don't prioritize it and they'll, they'll just think oh you know what, i'll get over it but the reality is it's it's debilitating and it really is it's not just hard for the person suffering it's hard for their loved ones as well and it is about making that well-being piece a priority yeah In your life Mental and physical It's about seeking help when you need it And sometimes And I know If a lot of my friends Actually kept their distance When I started to talk about this Because they didn't know what to say to me Yeah And actually the reality is Generally, you just need a text. You just want to know that people care, and you, you don't you just want someone to listen. Half the time, I never talked about myself anyway. I just wanted to uh, something to chit chat and, yeah. and not really be reminded of all the stuff that was going on in my head. A, a distraction, like yeah, you say about like the coffee said, shop and yeah. people watching. It it's is. the same thing, isn't it? Absolutely, it's, it is. Yeah. And it's about seeking that help. If you if you've got, I'm not suggesting that the med, that investing in your mental wealth will help you if you've got a severe kind of problem in your past. That is going to need to come if you've had trauma in your past you're going to need some sort of therapy to get over it yeah. there, there's no two ways about it most people know where their mental ill health stems from right and it's at what point where are you in that journey because if you're at that point where you think you know what I am I accept who I am I accept everything that's happened to me and I know I'm not to blame once you're at that point we can absolutely yeah. move you on yeah. in terms of changing the way that you respond to things but if you know that there is unresolved trauma and that's what's causing your mental ill health, that's when you need to reach out and get help because it is only through being taken back to that point and regressing and being able to accept it. That's the key thing. You have to be able to accept what's happened to you. You have to be able to process it. For years, I thought that, you know, and, and me talking about what's happened to me is another podcast, let me tell you. But for years, I thought I'd processed things that had happened to me in the past. And I was, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't even think about it. Wrong. I don't think about it because I was avoiding it. And I was distracting myself. And I was telling myself that I was fine. I wasn't. And if somebody, if I'd really sat down and either somebody had asked me or I'd sat down with myself and gone, what's really the problem here? If I'd allowed myself to be uncomfortable, because that's why I kept myself distracted. I didn't want to think because it made me uncomfortable. But if I'd allowed myself to be uncomfortable, that would have come out. And I would have gone, you know what? that stuff that happened to me yeah i'm not quite over that i think i might need some help with that and that's okay putting your hand up and saying that that's okay because processing it let me tell you now that i've come through to the other side i am honestly compared to what i was four years ago and i show pictures when i do talks of now and then because the difference i'm bigger now than i was then right in terms of what weight since when i was really unwell i don't care I look so much better for it, I look happier, I feel happier, I am happier. And I'm here to say, you don't have to suffer like that anymore. You don't have to feel like that. There is another way. Don't be a victim to your mind. Don't feel that you're at the effect of life. We have one life, right? Don't choose to live it in mediocrity or in misery. If something in your life is causing you pain, take steps to address it. And if you feel like you can't, if you feel stuck or that you feel trapped, that's when you need to work with someone. That's when you need to work with a coach because they will get you to the other side. That's that's what we do. This is why this lady is so passionate about
2: what she does because she speaks so much from the own experience. And that is fundamental to me, which is why I wanted to obviously get you on the show and have the listeners um, experience your experience because I think that's, that's how we learn. Mm. That's how we actually... Um, relate to people through that story through that um alignment because like you said there is not just you that has suffered this there are so many people millions around the globe that have this yeah and are going through this or will go through this at some point in their lives so, thank you so much for sharing all of your, your, your personal experience, your business experience, uh, and your strategies and techniques through the Mental Wealth Academy. Just to wrap things up, I want you to leave the listeners with three main components of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur with regards to looking after their mental well being.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Make sure you take time for yourself is the first one. Hashtag you first. <laughs> yes. Make <laughs> sure you put yourself first. And it is that real cliche, put your own oxygen mask on before you help anyone else. But it's true. Um, you're no good to anyone if you don't look after yourself first. So that's the first thing. Second thing is work on your mindset. In business, you cannot succeed unless you have a strong mindset. And part of that mindset means having a support network that you can talk to, networking, um, you know, and not networking for business, but actually networking for that support network. You know, you and I, we both left London a few years ago. We've had to set up our lives outside of London. We've had to find a new support network. So crucial because on those days when you're feeling a bit crap, you do need someone that's going to help bring you back up to that level, like-minded people that are on a similar journey and that will say to you, come on, come on now, Helen, like seriously, look at what you've got, and look at where you're going and stick, you know, and this brings me very, very nicely to my third um, point. Be absolutely crystal clear on what you're doing and why, because when those demons try and get you down, that is what's going to keep you core to what you're doing. What are you doing and why are you doing it for? Because on the bad days and when things aren't going well and when you think that, actually, you know what, I'm going to just chuck this business thing in, I'm going to go back to a a safe nine to five and I still get those days. It's that that keeps you driving. And once you commit to that purpose fully, and I am speaking from experience, the minute I committed to this, I have had doors and opportunities open to me that I never thought even possible. It's almost like they're falling into my lap and I just think, wow, it's because I've committed to this and I know that this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to help people, I'm here to coach and train people to, to navigate through this myriad of you know stress that we call life so that they're able to live a happier and you know more content life. Amazing. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your
2: time. Um, and respect, like I said, you sharing your journey and your experience with us and with all the listeners here at Who Wants To Be An Entrepreneur. I wish you all the luck and love in the world for everything that you're doing with the Mental Wealth Academy. It, it is something that is, is obviously close to my heart. Um, as well and everything that we've spoken about about putting yourself first is obviously the the true alignment over where both of our businesses are so thank you for sharing that and listeners um this is for your opportunity to obviously follow up with any of your feedback from this uh, podcast episode any of your personal experiences that you may wish to share any coping mechanisms or anything that you feel has helped you through this podcast, or in your own lives and journeys and experiences that you can share and help other people. Because I think the more we talk about it, the more people we reach, the more uh, this this epidemic of want of a better word when it comes to uh, mental health issues uh, is resolved, and that just makes the world a, a much happier and healthier place. Over and out from me. Thank you once again. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.